end of another week. Welcome to the Sourced Week in Review podcasts. My name's Michael Crutcher, Jordan McDonald, the first podcast of autumn. It is. Yeah. It is indeed. March. I, I did know. notice Quick, that on the digital radio stations in the car, as I put it on whenever Ainsley allows me to drive her <laughs> nice car, which has digital radio, that there's still a Christmas station that's on. What could it... I mean, obviously it's playing Christmas stuff, but... Yeah, it's still playing Christmas. how many listeners that gets on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm very interested in that. A couple of way too cheerful people, I reckon. Yeah, like March. Painfully so. Yeah, I'm yeah. wondering who listens to... <laughs> it's called Christmas Hope because it comes up high in the alphabetical listing whenever I turn it on. Christmas Hope? Christmas Hope, it's called, yeah. Oh, okay. And I tried it the other day and indeed it was playing Christmas carols. <laughs> Now, Jordan, we're going to start today with a special guest, and he's joining us live from the airport where he's about to board a plane for Sydney. I speak of yes, none other than Sensational Steel Talon, the head of (laughs) communications and media for the Brisbane Broncos. Steel, I welcome. G'day, Jim. How are you going? Yeah, very well, thanks, and very excited about rugby league season resuming. Last night it started, of course, the Broncos begin tonight, and that's where you're heading. You're waiting for a plane. I am. I'm sitting here in the uh, departure lounge. Uh, the Parramatta Melbourne game is on loop, uh, the highlights <laughs> of it, and there's a large crowd of people watching that. So uh, such is the first uh, for rugby league uh, after the uh, long absence. That's, uh, yeah, it's just great to have it back. So, uh, yeah, down, down to Penrith and uh, hopefully in and out with a win. Yeah, we're looking forward to watching. And, of course, that means that, you know, the engagement for you guys as the Broncos and being the massive brand that you are really starts to ramp up with game time. And quite an interesting post, Steeler, you put out yesterday uh, from the Broncos about NRL season being here. And I'll just quote from it. Uh, The club says social media is a fantastic place to show your passion through the wins and the losses, the highs and the lows. We encourage you to express yourself and support your team and players, but we also ask you to remember that our players and coaches are real people with families and loved ones. So a, a really good proactive piece of communication. What's the reaction been like? It's been roundly positive. Um, I think that um, you know, engagement doesn't necessarily have to be positive. Engagement can be uh, you know, positive, negative, it can be neutral, um, but we want our fans and our members engaging with us um, and we get that we're not always going to win and we're not always going to put in the best performance. So we, we want them to come on and uh, kind of vent, you know, kind of get their, uh, get their emotions out. But it's just about probably being a little bit proactive uh, and working with the playing group um, to kind of, you know, put a little bit of a stake in the ground as we start the season just to, just to remind everyone that um, you're dealing with real people here and while it's easy enough to tell the players to not look at social and just, you know, worry about their own game, they often do that. But it's often their, their families who read it, uh, their yeah. loved ones, their friends. Uh, they call, they, they check in to make sure the players are right. So it's virtually impossible for the players to avoid it. Um, and often they may be able to deal with it, but it's their family members who get really upset and then, yeah. then the players get upset. So, you know, I, th- I think it's just a matter of balance and we just want to be, as you said, a little bit proactive at the start of the season. And now you've been... Obviously, the Brisbane Lions and then the Brisbane Broncos. So you, you've seen this for a number of years now at um, at the highest level in Australian club sport. Have you noticed that reaction from fans change over the years? Still, has, has there been a, a difference as the years have gone on? Oh, look, probably not. I think that 
you know, in the time that I've been in sport, social's been around, so it's getting close to ten years now that, that I've been um, in that in that sphere. And I think, you know, it's it, it's a really good place for people to kind of get their emotions out. And you know, it, you just have to remember that, yeah, it, it, people are going to get angry and they're going to get passionate and they're going to see things they don't like. So I think, you know socials a good place for them to kind of vent and, and discuss with fellow fans and, and passionate fans about how you know who's the better halfback and you know, what's, yeah. what's the solution to the formos or which player we should be getting and which player we shouldn't be getting and that's what you know that's why sports kind of like the social lubricant of Australian society because that, that debate that goes on constantly across pubs and workplaces yeah. and airports and you name it so look, I, th- I think it's always been there I don't think it's got any worse I think it's just um, I think I think the players are probably a little bit more aware of where they sit within the pecking order now, maybe. And I think they are probably within clubs. I know that they're pretty. Um, they they voice their opinion in, uh, you know, not so much wanting protection, but certainly having it at the front of the social media team's mind that you know if yep. we see abuse just getting out of hand, that we want to we want to nip it in the bud before it starts to you know escalate, and you know all of a sudden you've got some. You know, I think at some stage there in recent years, Alex Glenn was talking about he was getting death threats and DMs and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, and we certainly don't want it to go there. But um, I, I think social by its very nature, whether it be sport or politics or uh, or or whatever, it's kind of like a, a hyper version of reality, right? So yeah. people are gonna um, people are gonna feel they can go that little bit extra because they're not really talking to anyone; they're just shouting yep. it out. So, um, yeah, it's just a matter of um, trying to call that out when it goes too far, and then um, you know. Hopefully everybody will uh, kind of use it for the way it's intended. Last year, you started TikTok. Steeler, what are some new ways that we can expect clubs to engage with fans this year? Because this is obviously a fast-moving space. Yeah, I think you know TikTok's obviously a really good example of um, where a lot of uh, clubs are kind of dipping their toe in the water. Um, and it's a matter of how you use it, whether you make it a um, you know a player-focused um, content uh, bucket or. Uh, whether you go for more of a, a club base, we find that uh, the fans, by and large, uh, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly want to hear from the players. So that's how we've tried to kind of take our TikTok account. But um, look, I think it's always going to be about giving our fans, no matter what, and our members, no matter what platform, um, access to the players. So, um, you know, can we get into the sheds before games? How can we get content from them as soon as we finish the game? And then keeping kind of like a constant hit of that content over the times when maybe there isn't a game or there isn't training. So we have to be, you know, more strategic and better prepared in terms of making sure that we can give everybody a constant hit of access to the players and, um, you know, and what they're up to. Now, we don't want to keep that plane waiting, Stilo. I know the players are already there, but you're heading down now. So we'll let you go on board. And thank you very much for returning to Sourced Podcast. And we wish you all the best, Stilo, for tonight's game. Thanks, guys. Anytime. See you later. See you, mate. Now, it's that time of the year, Jordan, when we receive the statistics for Australia's most read news outlets and something I've always found very interesting, obviously with my background in newspapers and and online. So these are a combination of numbers from print and digital, of course, because uh, no newspaper tells anyone anymore about how many print copies actually sell. Mm. They stopped doing that in 2017. They stopped the circulation numbers that used to come out every quarter so now what we have is this Roy Morgan puts out data that gives us an insight into combined audience so a sample size of 44,000 people Roy Morgan claims and Mm -hmm. the print data is collected via a survey the digital data 
is collected using a combination of survey data and an online panel that measures a few different things. And the data is then stirred into a pot, throw in some garlic, some ginger, <laughs> pinch of cumin, coriander, and you get the total news audience estimates that come out. And of course, they are very closely watched by media outlets and, and others as well, especially advertisers. So this week they came out, and this is the data up until the end of December yep. 2022. So our top 10 most read news brands in the country, last 12 months, a four-week uh, average they are. So Sydney Morning Herald on top, courtesy right. of its strong web presence, 8.1 million. Mm-hmm in its audience, followed by The Age, it's a nine stable mate with 5.6 million. Next is The Herald Sun, the first News Corp publication in the list, 4.3 million, basically tied with The Australian also from News Corp. Next is uh, The West Australian and Perth Now, 4 million. Daily Telegraph in Sydney, 4 million. Australian Financial Review, 3.6 million. Yep. So we're seeing here that uh, list goes on. Um, Total readership down 0.5% compared to the same period in 2021. So, And then we saw the usual bunch of stories, Jordan, which I must say I'm always quite interested in this, the way that different news brands react to these yeah, stats. Yeah, isn't it good? So you can spin these stats a lot of ways. The Sydney Morning Herald told us, obviously, it was the country's most read masthead. Yep. That's what the figures bear out. Mm-hmm. The Age told us it was the most read Victorian-based masthead. Yep, saw yes, that one. That's yes, true. The Financial Review claimed that its print product recorded <laughs> strong growth even as the wider market softened. We'll take them on their word for that. And the Adelaide Advertiser told us that it is the best-performing metropolitan, metropolitan news brand in the country. Right. So we've got a whole bunch of different things there. That's great. Mm. Happy for all of them. It's good to have a look at these numbers. There's one big question here that we don't know the answer to, Jordan. How much revenue are those audiences generating for those news outlets? That is the question. So that's the thing. Yeah, great to have 8.1 million readers and the nine websites do their business pretty well. But how much are they getting out of those 8.1 million? Now, if you want to go back to the glory days of newspapers, (laughs) say that, a reader of a print newspaper was worth $1 to you as a company. Yep. Okay, just say that. So yep. the reason that when the internet came about, it really impacted news outlet was because if someone stopped reading your print newspaper mm. with all of its classifieds and so forth at the time and they went to read you online on the desktop, they're worth, say, 10 to 15 cents to you. Compared right. to the dollar. If they read you on the mobile phone, the adage is yeah, they're worth about three cents to you. Because oh, as you know, it's hard to get... Um, substantially less, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, it, it's huge. It's a, it's a really big change. So, And that's the challenge for the media outlets now. Their product may come across millions of sets of eyes. That's right. But are those audiences paying to read and what are they getting out of those audiences? And if that they're not that doesn't help the audience a whole lot. And there's been, you know, I guess some further news around Jordan, but interested in your thoughts on this, especially in a generation different to mine? Yeah, I liked um, the the description there about the, the value and how it decreases. It's a bit like that being in a giant shopping centre and saying it's got a whole stack of shoppers in it, um, but if those shoppers aren't strolling through the centre and spending money, then... There's, the, there's really a lot of consequences for the retailers, isn't there? 
Yeah, that's it. That's that's a, that's a good adage because yeah, if, if you're at uh, the Chermside Shopping Centre, for instance, and there's a stack of shoppers there, the retailers want them to spend money, not just mm. try and escape the. Um, the heat outside with the air conditioning. And that is a bit similar to what news outlets do. They need to generate money um, and they're so used to it in the decades past, but it's a real struggle now. That's it. Um, I know a lot of people my age don't pay for news and that's mostly because it's so available through places like social media. It's, a, it's probably the main reason. Um, but there's also this belief that people deserve free news from the viewpoint of just public interest. Um, and I tend to agree unless you're sort of providing some insight and opinion that is valued beyond the informed news. But we did see a story today in the Sydney Morning Herald uh, this morning and it was about how Meta had commented on the agreements that it has with the Australian government and uh, media. Yeah, this and was like, a really interesting story. It and, was. and published by the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, yes. of course, which topped the list of biggest audiences. Yes, and it's quoted as calling that uh, the existing agreements punitive, untidy and a temporary compromise. So essentially Meta's just saying it's been playing ball to keep the peace but the agreements don't actually benefit their business. But look, some of those agreements with those uh, news outlets here in Australia, they're due to expire in the coming months uh, and if I'm one of those outlets, I am going to be getting a bit concerned about that now. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. This story was very... Um timely this morning in terms of that those funds that come from the likes of uh, <coughs> those big online operations are extremely valuable to news oh, outlets yeah. and to see the and in the piece it's written this morning clearly there's some concern from the the traditional publishers about what might happen with these yeah. funds because they, they do help the newsrooms what I find very interesting is that the big ones who are now quite worried about it for decades and decades, they were the giant. So they were the ones like Channel 9 who were just bringing money in because they had television and, and newspaper outlets as well. So we know that things have changed. Uh, Google and Facebook have come in and taken so many advertising dollars mm. away. So we're seeing that the power imbalance has well and truly shifted. But I think behind the scenes there'll be a lot of discussion on this one because uh, it's really important in terms of what happens with our, our news future. And hey, I, I'm, I'm an old journo. I, I love to see newsrooms do well and to thrive because I firmly believe we need good journalists and we need good news outlets to, um, to, to help inform us as, as, as punters. Yeah, yeah. Trick is how do you make it work financially? So, yeah, well, good luck to them. I, uh, I want to see them thrive. I'm fascinated by how they're going to do it. Now, also, we looked at some data this week, Jordan, which you came across, which is quite interesting data, and it's to do with how we're watching our TVs at the moment. What did you find? Yes, I think TV put out a report this week, and it's, it's a bunch of data that looks at TV viewership between July and December of last year. Um, it's a deep dive into everything uh, TV, so, you know, your top-performing programs, the episodes as well as the metro, regional and national viewing base. And we like to keep an eye on this uh, as it comes out, just to sort of keep a, you know, get a sense of what the viewing habits are. Yeah, I mean, and you know, good on Think TV for setting some of this data around because they're always interesting to see. So, okay, now are you going to summarise the report for us? Because yeah, it was a long report. Yeah, it was really long. So I've just pulled out some of the bits that I think you need to know. Um, in no particular order, 
Um, the, the data begins with a summary of the percentage of total video viewing in the home on any device. Okay. And the data shows the pull that the 11 major streaming platforms uh, from market giants Netflix and Stan down to niche players like HeyU and Acorn are having. And it's saying that those 11 streamers had a share of 15.3% uh, of the time spent viewing across the period on this yeah, survey. Right. And that's up from the 13.8% from the same six months in 2021. Yep. Um, the average number of the screens in the household or per household has remained steady though. It's just, uh, it's under seven, just under seven. Just so, just under it's seven screens. Sc it's a lot of screens. Yeah. I don't but, know if I have seven screens in my place. Well, we've got five in our house, so we You're knock five. over seven screens very easily. Yeah, fair call. Yeah. Um, total TV figures. So the total TV figures, which captures, you know, free to air live and on demand, including Foxtel, that had 72.6% of viewing. That's down from 77.4 okay. in 2021. Uh, despite the growing number of people watching all their TV through the free-to-air apps, live linear view viewing sorry, continues to dominate with an 86.1% share of total TV. Okay, uh, That's not really surprising to me at yeah. all. Uh, moving on, you've got the monthly average cumulative Linear TV reach, which remains at above 20 million. So movement year on year here is just down from 20.78 million to 20.3 million. Yep. Advertisers, that's always an interesting part of the report. Advertisers who spent four plus billion dollars in the calendar 2022 know the numbers are still tuning in for commercial free-to-air TV. Yep. So the total TV advertising market, which includes the metropolitan free-to-air, regional free-to-air subscription TV and broadcast of video on demand, excluding SBS, they recorded a combined revenue of $4.1 billion for the year to December 2022, which was up 1.2% compared to the same period ending I'm 2021. Interested by that figure at 12 months' time, you know, as we come yeah. to maybe tougher economic circumstances, but that, that's a good result in a, in a pretty good year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all people under 55 spend more time watching broadcast video on demand than linear TV. Again, that's not too surprising to me. So three quarters of all broadcast video on demand viewing is via connected TV, which you know is PC or laptop, making yep. up 9.5%, mobile 8.5% and tablet 7.5%, accounting for the rest. Uh, some final thoughts on this report, though, um, would be that while there is... It's apparent that there's a clear shift. We've known about it for a long time. There's a yep. shift away from linear TV. I think there's some comfort networks can uh, feel knowing that their streaming numbers, if they have a, an app, yep. it's almost increasing in line with the decrease yep. in the TV. Yep. So, you know, even despite that too, that live events like the sports always and continues to attract eyes and that's obviously why the advertisers still spend the money. Yeah, very interesting insights there. I thought that the numbers of people watching uh, free-to-air TV, um, you know, not through the old linear process, through, mm. uh, you know, the, you know, watching through apps, et cetera, might have been bigger. I know it's increased. Yeah. I thought it might have because our whole household, as an example of, you know, a sample of one, mm. uh, we've got an aerial on top of our roof, but... We don't use that aerial. Yeah, no. So the, the, really the NBN, I hope it keeps going. 
don't don't drop out NBN because <laughs> that's how we watch TV. But let's hope not. And the poor old aerial, the most business he gets now is from backyard cricket. Um, oh yeah, tennis balls smashing into mm. the aerial. So um, yeah, it, all those things are trending up. But um, yeah, good insights from Think TV there. Now another one this week, the Australian reported this week. So the Australian being a, a News Corp uh, paper. Yep. Uh, and I quote, Foxtel Group is poised to sign a landmark content streaming deal with top-tier American studio Warner Brothers Discovery as early as this week, securing access to multiple global hit series, including The White Lotus, House of the Dragon. The new multi-year deal is a culmination of months of top-level negotiations with the US media giant. Foxtel's existing deal is due to finish at the end of this year with a new agreement extending through till at least 2025. So... Um, now, the Sydney Morning Herald, which is in the same company as Stan, also reported the same thing. So you can probably rest assured that that is you know, 100% correct. Uh, it's interesting because the future of HBO's prize content and its prize has been very important to Australia's streaming providers. There was speculation that HBO may launch its own Australian service, but... Uh, that sort of dropped off. HBO seems to be looking around the world and is noticing yeah. that you know it's not that easy to make money if you've got your streaming service as as it may have used to mm. be. So maybe better to be a, a supplier rather than the broadcaster itself. Plus, the federal government's new proposed laws for local content quotas for streaming providers don't exactly make the likes of HBO want to rush in and do that because they'll have to produce. Um, uh, product here yep. so as I said this article came from the Australian the same company as Foxtel Binge so it's it's going to be right um, so we know Foxtel's streaming performance may have been a little bit softer than it had hoped in the most recent results but it remains an asset obviously for News Corp so your thoughts Jordan I think it's a pretty good deal for Foxtel and its subscribers um, that content library they've held on to now it's pretty impressive and it should certainly help with their subscription growth over the next few years. Um, I like that their renewed agreement also includes some options for when HBO eventually launch their own service in Australia. And I think it's inevitable that they will launch it at some point. Um, what those options look like, I don't really know. But Binge's success, and it's been written about a fair bit, is almost solely thanks to that HBO library and, and what yeah. it offers. So you'd hope that those options allow Binge some time to adjust whenever... You know, HBO decides to pull the trigger here in the Australian market. One final one for this week. We've mentioned it so many times about ad-supported uh, tiers for streaming services, but Jordan, a new one, one I hadn't really given much thought to, but there seems to be some movement in terms of another big provider looking at a cheaper ad-supported model. Yeah, it's just another one to the list. Apple is um, has recently made a pretty notable hire which is our first real sign that the company is considering a move into the ad space, particularly for its Apple TV+. Plus. So the company's hired an advertising executive to, and I quote, help build a video advertising business for its Apple TV streaming service. So Apple has been turning more to ads to help grow its revenues. It added new app, sorry, ad placements in the App Store last year and reportedly wants to bring ads to apps like Maps, Books and Podcasts. So, you know, it's, it's not surprising that it's looking at ads for the TV Plus as well. Yep. Uh, this hire isn't even the first exploration of ads with its streaming offerings as it has run ads against its Major League Baseball games. Yes. 
uh, and it's reportedly building an ad network around its streaming service with the Major League Soccer. Yep. But um, look, currently Apple TV is only available with a paid subscription that recently got more expensive. Well, so you'd hope it? that with the ad-supported tier, you know, presumably it's going to be more affordable. Um, that could be one way of Apple trying to bring in some new subscribers. But at this point, having an ad-supported tier uh, on a streaming platform or as part of your streaming service is, is pretty par for the course. And Netflix has got it. Disney Plus got it last year. Yeah. HBO Max plans to... Ads plans launched, sorry, in 2021. So we'll keep an eye on this as the weeks uh, come. Has it gone up, Apple TV Plus? Yeah. Oh, I'll check I can't remember the figure, but yeah. I'm going to check what... We get it in a bundle, so it's bundled with... Uh, oh, they must love you. Well, it's bundled with the music and, <laughs> and you know, music and... Yeah. Uh, also bundled into it is um, storage. Mm. Oh, yeah, I've got storage, yeah. So I, if I unravel the bundle, that's got a lot of work. Mm. But I'll have to go and check what that's about. But, yeah, I look, I like uh, some shows. Slow Horses is a really good show with Gary Oldman, who's outstanding in that. And they're going to make two more series of that too, which is oh, fantastic. I'm happy about that. Yeah. Now, we're not doing the celebrity magazines this week because I didn't organise it. No. I'm sorry. That's okay. But we had Sensational Steel talent on and I got carried away – yeah, getting Steelo to talk, and I haven't looked at the front pages of the celebrity mags, but we'll do so next week. Yeah, we'll have a look next week. I haven't looked at them either. How's the weekend? Uh, weekend's relatively quiet. To today, I leave work. I'm going to listen to uh, the old man. He's taken over for Brini this afternoon. Oh, really? Yeah, Brini's uh, MIA for whatever reason, so Dad's filling in for oh. him this afternoon. But tonight, I've got a concert at the Fortitude. Oh, really? That, that Red Bull Symphonic with um, Genesis Owusu and the Queensland Orchestra. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then Saturday I've got one gig and that's it. Sunday's empty. We'll probably be mowing the yard. It's a good spot, the fort. Mm, what about you? It's the weekend before the devil's season starts. Mm. It's a quiet weekend. Mm, the so calm before the before season it storm. All, all begins, so I'll look forward to that. Enjoy the weekend. You too.